0: And Welcome to the Narrow Road Podcast, a place to share the journey of walking with God on the narrow road that leads to life. I hope that you find rest and encouragement here, but above all, the awareness that you're not alone on the way. Hello, hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Narrow Road Podcast. I am your host, Rachel Bowyer. And it is my pleasure to be back with you for another episode. We are officially on episode 20 of 365 Days of Podcasting. So, wow, that's exciting. 20 whole episodes, which means I've recorded a podcast every day for 20 days, roughly. I think there was a time when I actually did three podcasts in one day, so... Technically, we're probably on 17 days straight, but nevertheless, I am excited to see where this journey continues to go. So, thank you so much for being here for another episode. Today, as the title <clears throat> might have displayed, we're talking about words. Words create worlds. It's one of my most favorite quotes from my pastor, Bill Johnson words create worlds. I remember the first time he said that it hit me like a ton of bricks. And it's such a simple truth. It's so obvious, but it was not a way I had ever looked at words and speaking or writing. And yet, I mean, you can just read any kind of uh, any kind of book, any kind of fiction book, let's say. And the words on the page create a world in your head, right? It creates a whole picture and yet the reality is is any word and every word that we speak or think or or express is creating a world both for us but also for the hearers. So, yeah, it was a it's a profound revelation. And it's one that both haunts me and excites me because there's two sides to the reality, right, of the worlds that we create. So I want us to dive a little deeper and learn a little bit today and hopefully grow together in our knowledge of the power of words. So today we're going to start out in the book of James in the New Testament of the Bible. The book of James chapter 3 beginning in verse 1 and reading all the way down to verse 10. My brethren, let not many of you become teachers, knowing that we shall receive a stricter judgment. For we all stumble in many things. If anyone does not stumble in word, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle the whole body. Indeed, we put bits in horses' mouths that they may obey us, and we turn their whole body. The tongue is so set among our members that it defiles the whole body and sets on fire the course of nature, and it is set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird of reptile and creature of the sea is tamed and has been tamed by mankind, but no man can tame the tongue. It is an an unruly evil, full of deadly poison. With it we bless our God and Father, and with it we curse men who have been made in the similitude of God. Out of the same mouth proceed blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not to be so. Yeah, that is a serious passage of scripture in terms of illuminating our understanding to the power of words. If we go back in verse 2 of chapter 3, he says, If anyone does not stumble in word, he is a perfect man, able to bridle the whole body. Wow. But then he goes down in verse 8 and says, But no man can tame the tongue. It is an unruly evil full of deadly poison. So that leaves you a little bit sort of hopeless in a way, right? So like okay so if i can tame the tongue i could be perfect i could bridle my entire being my entire body and he's saying but no man can tame the tongue (laughs) it's an unruly evil with it we bless our god and father and with it we curse men who have been made in the same image as god Mm. and he says my brethren these things ought not to be so He goes on in verse 13, saying, Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show by good conduct that his works are done in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter envy and self-seeking in your hearts, do not boast and lie against the truth. This wisdom does not descend from above, but it is earthly, sensual, and demonic. For where envy and self-seeking exist, confusion and every evil thing are there. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. The fruit of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. Mm. So how, how does one tame the untameable? In our own strength, right, it's not possible. It's not possible. Jesus says that out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth will speak. What is in your heart is what you will say. And if your heart is dark, right? Jesus said, if your, if your eye is dark, how great is that darkness? If your heart is dark, how great is that darkness? If your heart is lost, wild, destitute, then you can be sure that your tongue is going to tell on you. It's going to tell the truth of what's going on in your heart. He says, in chap, in, in, again, in chapter 3, but in verse 11 and 12, I skipped these verses for a moment. It says, Does a spring send forth fresh water and bitter from the same opening? Can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? No spring yields both salt water and fresh. So he's saying that you're either one or you're the other. Your words will tell on you the status of your heart, the status of your spirit, the status of your soul, the content of your thoughts. Your words will tell on you. So you are either in the wisdom that is from above which will shape your speech into things that are pure, peaceable, gentle, willing to yield full of mercy and good fruits without partiality or hypocrisy, or you will be blessing your God, speaking unruly evil, cursing men, and out of that mouth you are blessing and cursing. don't worry, as we continue on, James does give us a little bit more hope in how we can overcome the power of the tongue in chapter 4 of the book of James. Let's continue down in verse 1. Where do wars and fights come from among you? Do they not come from your desires for pleasure that war in your members? You lust and do not have, you murder and covet and cannot obtain, you fight and war, yet you do not have because you do not ask, or you ask and do not receive because you ask amiss, that you may spend it on your pleasures. Adulterers and adulteresses, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Whoever therefore wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Or do you think that the scripture says in vain, the spirit who dwells in us yearns jealously, but he gives more grace. Therefore, he says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Lament and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he will lift you up. And there is the key. Humbling ourselves in the sight of the Lord. Bowing down before God, admitting our reality. Admitting where we're at. Admitting what's coming up in our mouths or out of our mouths. If we can't figure it out, if we can't figure out where we're at, or we're in some kind of a delusion, our mouths will tell on us. (laughs) The content of our heart and our thoughts and our fears and our worries and our hatred and our envy and our strife will come out. So, the answer to the untamable tongue is humility before God, it's submission to godly wisdom, to who He is, to the renewing of your mind to resisting the devil, to resisting and drawing a line in the sand about where your loyalty aligns, to saying no more to the double-mindedness of I'm on one side of God and one side in the world. I'm a friend of God and a friend of the world. When you are in that place of trying to meet your own desires, trying to make it for yourself, you're in this in-between place. Where you're not dependent on God, you're dependent on yourself, but yet you're saying spiritual things where you are dependent on God and you love God and you honor God, but again, your tongue will tell if that's the if that's true, that's actually true. When your mind is stayed on Him, your mouth will sound like Him. My pastor Bill says this: if you watch what you think about. You won't have to watch what you talk about. If your heart is fixed on him, if your mind is fixed on him, if your eyes are fixed on the Father of Lights, the one true God, when your heart and every bit of you is fixed on him, you don't have to worry about your mouth telling on you. If anything, it'll tell on you for good things. Your mouth will tell everyone exactly who you are because your mouth says what's the truth of the inside of you. So I want to read a couple other scriptures throughout the Bible that speak to us on the power of our words, right? In, in the book of uh, James chapter 3, he's talking about how words, they seem so small and yet they have so much power. And he uses the examples of the bits that equestrians will put on the, in the mouths of the horses. And by just a gentle little slight, lip, slight move of their bit, Through the reins, the entire body of the horse moves, right? This massive, massive animal is under control by this bit in its mouth. Or these humongous boats, if you've ever seen a gigantic cruise ship that's basically the size of a city, it's being turned by these rudders at the whim of the captain on this tiny little, (laughs) this tiny little wheel. It's wild, it's wild. And, and he's trying to say, like, it, it kind of defies logic so that something so small could have such power over a vessel so large, and yet that is the power of our words. So let's look more at what the Bible talks about um, words. Ephesians chapter four, verse 29 says, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only that which is good for building up as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. Proverbs 16, verse 24 says, Gracious words are like a honeycomb, sweetness to the soul and health to the body. Colossians 3.8 is talking about who we are as children of God, and it says, Now you must put all away anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth hmm proverbs 25 uh, verse 11 says a word fitly spoken is like apples of gold in a setting of silver and finally one of the most powerful verses we've probably all heard many times proverbs chapter 18 verse 21 it says death and life are in the power of the tongue and those who love it will eat its fruits Death and life are in the power of the tongue. This is where we get that, the crux of the message that words create worlds. The power of the tongue, it is so strong, it is so unbelievable what it can do. That it will create life or it will create death. (music) So about four years ago, there was an experiment that was done. And and there's a lot of talk about how scientific it actually was. I'm sure there's more scientific experiments out there than this example I'm going to use. But this one was actually done um, by IKEA, I believe, the company IKEA. And it was a bullying project. And they wanted to take two plants. I think actually they use more than two, but In this example, I'm going to talk to the two in specific that they mentioned in the experiment. They gave two plants the exact same amount of light, water, and fertilizer for 30 days. And they were displayed at a school in Dubai. And children were were encouraged to record negative and positive comments that they had received on the playground. Taunts from other children. They needed to record these negative and positive comments, and then the verbal bullying or the sweet comments were then dished out regularly to the plants using a computerized voice. At the end of the 30 days, the plant that had been on the receiving end of the negativity appeared visibly different, with drooping and dying leaves. Meanwhile, the plant that had been told nice things had thrived. And there was even a YouTube video that showed a clear difference between the two flowers. And this was all part of a campaign to raise awareness of bullying and to get kids to stop bullying and things like that. But it is such like a unique example, yes, well, maybe not overly scientific, but I don't think um, anyone needs a whole lot of science to understand the power of words spoken over oneself by themselves or by another person. I remember even reading an article, uh, I think it was a scientific journal, on the power of bitter thoughts and bitterness being linked scientifically to arthritis manifesting in the body. And so just these, you know, these are just kind of a couple far-flung examples, but they show us in a way the world that words can create, the reality that even in the natural realm that we live in and walk in, How much words can affect our health, can affect the natural realm, can affect plants, potentially animals, potentially goodness knows what words actually have the power to affect. And this is why the Bible is inundated with with declarations of truth and life and wisdom and goodness out over creation, over one another, because it has the power to literally create the world we want to live in through the words that we say. Mm. Gracious words are like a honeycomb, sweetness to the soul and health to the body. We don't want to be found being the people that out of the same mouth proceed blessing and cursing. And the only way to not be live in that hypocritical way is to stay in right relationship with God. It's to stay with the one who speaks the beauty of truth. I remember I was walking across um, the UC Davis, University of California, Davis University campus, um, several years ago when I was living in California, and I was just talking to God because I I write and I, I use words a lot, <laughs> obviously. And I was feeling really discouraged because I felt like, you know what, there's so many voices out there. There There's so many people writing and blogging and authoring and podcasting and speaking. I don't want to be just another voice. I just, I feel like talk is cheap. Talk is so cheap. It's so easy to do, right? And I was just so discouraged and I was saying these things and I was saying them to God. I was just venting to him by myself, walking across His campus. And Jesus in, I mean, he instantly spoke to me and he said, I am the word. I am the word. Right after I had said, talk is cheap. Words are cheap. Words are easy. And, you know, in my self-pity, he struck me with the truth of who he is. He says he's the word. In the beginning was the word. And the word was with God, and the word was God. He is the word. And speaking him, speaking the truth of him, of his identity, of his goodness, that is actually the most powerful thing we can do. And in that way, words are the opposite of cheap. They are literally life. When all the disciples were leaving Jesus at a time when he had preached rather a, a, quite a renegade sermon to many people, quite an obscure sermon where he was talking about eat my body and drink my blood. (laughs) And many people were put away from him after that one. (laughs) He looked over at Peter and said, aren't you going to leave too? And Peter said, well, where will I go, Lord? Only you have the words of life. You have the words of life power of life and death is in the tongue. Jesus's words are life. Jesus's words, nature, and example lived out in us create in us the words of life. This is the way to tame the untameable. It is to immerse ourselves in the goodness of God, the nature of God, the words of God, until they become our own words, our own nature, and our own thoughts. And from that place, from that place of a renewed mind inside sight of God, we speak words of life. And we neither we neither live away or excuse me, we don't curse others. We only bless. We only bless. Believe it or not, it can be done. It can be done. Hmm. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show by good conduct that his works are done in the meekness of wisdom. Your words will tell on you. They will tell whose you are, what you're thinking about, what you're meditating about. And here's the thing. Sometimes we can say really, really good things to each other, to other people, to animals, to plants, to the world, and be speaking terribly to ourselves. And that's me preaching to myself. (laughs) That's me preaching to myself. And oftentimes I find that when I say cruel things to other people, I'm actually speaking out of the abundance of my thoughts towards myself, not the thoughts I have towards everyone else. I'm not speaking out of the abundance of this is what I think of everyone else. This is actually what I'm thinking of myself. And so the Bible says, let us take every thought captive to the mind of Christ. When we take every thought that injects itself into our mind captive, and we look at it from other angles and we filter it out, is this what God would say about me? Is this what God's thinking? Does this sound like the kingdom? Is this a kingdom thought? Does this thought shine and shimmer with heaven? Because if it doesn't, put it away. Because if that thought takes root in you, eventually it will become words. And so if those thoughts that you're hearing that are coming in that are saying you're stupid, you're ugly, you're bad, you're lazy, you're unworthy, you're selfish, you're you're unlovable, you're unnecessary, you're small, you're insignificant. And these thoughts inundate us right all the time. And we don't do anything with them because we assume, oh, that's just, you know. nothing just a thought I had (laughs) but actually it's left untamed it's left unkept and as it is allowed to bounce around in there before long it's forming identity and belief and out of that identity and belief it's forming words and now all of a sudden you're spewing out onto other people cruelly at them what you really think about yourself so the words that create worlds have to not only be spoken to others but they have to be spoken to ourselves i am a son of god i am a daughter of god i am royalty i am loved by god i am deeply needed i am necessary and worthy jesus died for me he thought i was important enough to die for i must be somebody i have a calling i'm called I'm near and dear to my father's heart. I was born for such a time as this. There's a, there's a problem that only I can provide the solutions for on this planet. This is why I'm here. We speak this truth over ourselves audibly as much as silently so that we can reap the the whirlwind of reward of the world our words create. Say that five times fast. You want to live in the world of your words. You want to live in the world created by the words of life. Trust me. (laughs) The alternative of the world that we live in when we speak words of death is very clear inside of depression, anxiety, suicide, loss, destitution, broken relationships, devastated families. This is what happens when we, we do not police the words coming in our heads and out of our mouths. So I bless you today to take stock and in inventory of the thoughts that stay bouncing around in your head and the words that are coming out of your mouth as a result. The beliefs. The orphaned spirit. The orphaned words. The words of hurt and anger and projection. The words of, of fighting and destruction. The words of fear. Words of fear and worry. Are these the words of life? Are these the words that, if you could create a world with the words you just spoke for the last week, would you want to live in it? If the world that you created through your words in the last week actually existed, would you want to live there? Would you want to feel the way that they make you feel every day forever? If that's not a world you want to live in, then what we must do is submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, purify your hearts, lament and mourn and weep, cry out to him, humble yourselves, and he will lift you up. It's a promise. He will lift you up, and he will change the, the language of your mouth as you watch your inner world be transformed. So I bless you to take inventory because I know the truth is, is some of you aren't speaking out your toxicity, your negativity. Some of you are just speaking it to yourself silently in your mind all the time. You're creating a world for yourself. You are creating a world. So I bless you to transform that world and speak, listen to nothing else but the thoughts that enter you that sound like God, that sound like heaven, that smell like heaven, that look like heaven, that shine like heaven, that feel like heaven. And if they don't, you cast them out, you cast them aside. Because eventually they will become the words out of your mouth if they haven't yet made it that far yet. So I bless you. I bless you. I bless you. And I thank you for listening to another episode of the narrow road podcast and of course i will be back with you tomorrow for another one thank you and bye-bye